0: I do have a new show that I'm watching, though, that I just started. So we can talk right, about let's that. Let's
1: save that. Hey, this is Drew here with my little sister, Ashley.
0: That's growing every day. Hey. Yeah.
1: Congrats on your girth. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, You did hear the music, right? Because you weren't bobbing your head.
0: Oh, yeah. I heard it. It's very like ethereal. It's not like a bobbing head kind of music to me. Okay. Well, it's like, a
1: you know, it's a little bit of like a weaving your head.
0: Oh, sorry. Sorry. Perhaps.
1: (laughs) New Release is a TV and movie podcast where each week we watch something new and then decide... If we want more. Yep. Right?
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> this is
1: episode 177. Pretty impressive.
0: Dang. Yeah. My lucky and, number seven.
1: Well, we'll get to seven, seven, seven eventually. Any day now. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's kind of scary to kind think of about. Daunting. <laughs> yeah. We definitely won't get to episode 777. I think, um, as much as we love doing this, maybe we'll if we skip like numbers, or if we start doing it seven days a week, or yeah. <laughs> a few maybe different my ways. My
0: child can be a guest star and talk about kids shows, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. There's there's options. Yeah, I would need to. We would need to recruit like legacy members of mm-hmm. the team to to take <laughs> over. So in the meantime, you are stuck with us, Derek is off on um, a pilgrimage this week (laughs) um, as far as we know but we are going to be talking about a movie that came out a couple months ago um, but it just dropped on Peacock and before we do that we need to look back previously on new release Ashley how have you been enjoying uh, the rest of Twisted Metal
0: Um, so much that I haven't watched any of it.
1: (laughs) Gotcha. Yep. (laughs) I mean, I I think,
0: and I would have watched it if I didn't pay for it. So, yeah, there's just that. It is. Oh, you finished it, right? Like right away.
1: Yeah, I finished it the next week. Um, I don't know. I, money is so, it's so funny. Like, that's the whole goal of them creating original content is to entice people to. Um, sign up after they get hooked from the first episode, putting that out there for free. And then I I I applaud your self-control for not just giving in to the um, pressure to continue <laughs> watching. I think like when you actually think about the financial commitment, one time seven dollars assuming you you cancel is minimal. Right. But <laughs>
0: yeah it's not yeah it's not a a huge cost but i didn't like the show enough to pay seven dollars so
1: yeah and that's exactly the calculation that you have to do mentally with this many streaming services how many different streaming services do you pay for off the top of your head
0: um we pay for two because everyone else is borrowed from other people yeah well yeah you don't
1: have to um incriminate yourself i'm just kind of curious like yeah, we pay you, for
0: Prime.
1: Right, because that's Amazon. multi-purpose.
0: Yep, and then pay for um, Fubo for sports.
1: Oh, interesting. For soccer?
0: Yeah, b- mainly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So those are two.
1: Okay, so yeah, no Netflix, no HBO Max. I mean, some of these are getting up to $20 a month for, <laughs> for the cost. I mean, you find ways to access that programming but in the event that they continue cracking down on password sharing um, (laughs) you'll have to make some tough decisions like everyone has to it's like even hulu is about to go way up in cost so the 7.99 for peacock doesn't sound bad but when it's on top of like all these 20 dollars services it quickly adds up to the same as cable and then you know when we were paying for cable you didn't have <laughs> all right. these other subscriptions on top of that even though well, that it, was a huge bill
0: what i feel like netflix is just going to start bundling all the other them up so it's be like do you want netflix and disney do you want netflix disney and peacock do you want you know i feel like that's eventually going to happen
1: somebody will i mean there are some very complicated rights deals netflix doesn't own anything um, except mm-hmm. that their original programming so disney owns Hulu and ESPN and all of those. Well, I'm a certainly, basically that is exactly what they're doing with Hulu. The new pricing is trying to um, force you to bundle Disney plus and Hulu. Oh, that was Disney, Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Into the same one. But yeah, you're right. It, it, and then it just becomes cable again. It's right. It's really silly.
0: <laughs> and there's more and more commercials too. So I'm like, well, what's the, it's just reverting back. So that's annoying.
1: Yeah, that was, I, I already mentioned this, but that was my biggest um complaint about, it's weird I'm like I kind of enjoy the little commercial breaks like enjoy them from a pacing standpoint. I don't mm-hmm. enjoy them from like um, a creativity or entertainment standpoint but sometimes it's not the worst thing in the world to have a little um, depending on if you're like watching a casual show like Twisted Metal and I don't right. want to look at my phone during the show. I want to respect the creators right. <laughs> but then I can look at it or pee or get more popcorn during the commercial break so i don't hate that for certain types of shows but the fact that the upgrade was to a plan that still had commercials um was yeah <laughs> kind of disturbing um yeah yep. yeah all right well that's our streaming platform update but i did oh, we, we pay do have for
0: youtube as well i think
1: for youtube like premium without commercials
0: um we have commercials so do we pay for that we used to no. not have... Okay, so we used to pay for it without commercials. And now we've gone back to commercials because it just seems silly. But we used to pay for that as well. You know,
1: one thing that is a helpful exercise for people and this always gets overlooked when people are comparing Netflix to HBO and Hulu and stuff is that the hours spent on any platform... I think I think YouTube um uh beats out any oh, of the yeah. major streaming platforms. And if that's the case for... A consumer, um, eleven dollars a month to not have commercials adds up to a lot of time in your life. <laughs>
0: yeah, I feel so, like Isaac watches hours of YouTube. So
1: yeah, I think that's a very reasonable investment. Um, like I watch hours and hours of disc golf, and <laughs> it's a sport that's perfectly fine to have broken up with with ads. But then again, it's like, you know, if I'm going to spend uh, eight hours watching YouTube in a weekend. I think mm-hmm. that's that's worth the investment for me. So yeah. That's something to just consider. It's like a it's a platform that people got used to ads on. But uh if you're just comparing time saved, not watching commercials and how kind of frequent they are. And and once you I'm surprised y'all were able to go back because once you get used to it without commercials, it's very jarring.
0: Yeah, it's really frustrating. Um so we'll see how long it lasts. It's only been a few weeks.
1: <laughs> right. Um, okay. Well, um we talked last week about Talk to Me, the possessed hand movie, and maybe kind of our our do we want more segment with, was geared around whether we wanted more from the Philippo brothers, whether we wanted more talk to me's, or whether we just, you know, like that the way we chose to answer it was related to um More Talk To Me sequels or other stuff. And by the time we recorded that, they had already greenlit the sequel.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) So
1: there absolutely will be a talk uh, numeral to me. So it's
0: not a prequel. It's not going to be like...
1: No, I oh. I mentioned that they were already working on, um, or they had already filmed um, footage that they didn't use that that it relates to a prequel. I'm not so, well. I don't know for sure. It's got two in the name. <laughs> uh, okay, they have kind of already released like a teaser poster with the the numeral two, but oh, interesting. It doesn't mean they can't explore the mythology more.
0: Right. I think they have to. Yeah. But we'll see. And interesting. It- okay.
1: Yeah, and we don't have to spoil the the movie in case somebody's listening to this episode that's not about that movie, but it leaves on enough of a cliffhanger where they could pick up um mm-hmm. with that as well if they if they want to make it like a direct sequel. Yep. Which would be I mean, I I'm not at all against more talk to me. I think we'll get to this a similar discussion when we talk about Wes Anderson as like it's great that these really talented people are making movies. It's great Greta Gerwig made the Barbie movie. Do we want Barbie too, or do we want them to be making something else? That's not our decision, right? <laughs> <But> <laughs> yes, <it laughs> we <is. laughs> have we have opinions on it, um, and so those are what we'll, well share. I'm I'm very now that I know that that's happening, and um, they didn't consult us. I'm, I'm all for it.
0: <laughs> 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 um,
1: and I bet they're gonna make it pretty quickly and just kind of capitalize on the momentum well once the strike is (laughs) if the strike ends and filmmakers and writers can uh, directors can work but actors and writers are on strike Mm -hmm. so I'm guessing that they should not be working on um, writing the sequel at this point
0: yeah so that's interesting okay we'll see All right, I'll probably go see it
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one more big update for you. Oh, what? I watched, as promised, as teased last week, I uh-huh. <laughs> picked best up on platonic. <laughs> yeah.
0: I watched 16 yes. minutes
1: of episode six, and, and? now I'm out. Now yeah. I'm out.
0: Was it when Seth Rogers is a giant asshole and you're over it? Because that's when I stopped.
1: I, I mean, yes. That is every episode. You're right. And I don't think you got this far. It's when he... um He's still... It's when Rose Byrne gets a new job as a lawyer. She doesn't start yet, but she's like get, getting back into the workforce. And he is trying to... Uh, Seth Rogan's throwing a party for his his younger oh, girlfriend. Oh, I saw it.
0: That's when I stopped watching it.
1: Uh, okay. Well, that's a perfect inflection point. So you got all the way to episode six. And mm-hmm. it really is. It's just like this movie strains your patience so much for... No matter how much chemistry him and Rose Byrne have, if all he's going to do is just get mad at her for absolutely no reason and be selfish and be a baby, it's not fun to even see them on screen together.
0: No. And (laughs) I think the it was just like the point where he was realizing he had to break up with his, his girlfriend and he was just being like a total asshole. Like on her birthday, he's like, "No, I have to do it now." And she's like, "Why are you gonna bring with her on her birthday?" And then she's like, "And you didn't even talk to me about like my job." And I've been out of the workforce for like fifteen years. Like, and he's just so selfish and so, uh, yeah. yeah. So I stopped at the same around the same time.
1: <laughs> and it 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 was inform instructive, kind of doing it the way I did, where this is kind of a good informal test. If you mm-hmm. if a show is good enough to grip you when you can binge it. And I watched all four or five episodes before this in one yep. sitting. It can gloss over a lot of the flaws because if there's anything positive about the show, you just kind of keep going. But right. once you stop, and I think the show was actually released week to week, so it's sort of asking you to um, to kind of take breaks and pick it back up you I lost all the momentum and the goodwill or you know if the three episodes ago they had good chemistry that's ancient history for me (laughs) I can't remember and so all this was was just being thrown back into his toxic behavior I can't imagine there's not going to be some kind of redemption there has to be but it's too late but yeah (laughs) it's not at all worth getting to and as I've said every time, I think it's it was kind of a bold choice for him to play this character and make yeah. fun of himself and be unlikable and lean into some of kind of like hipster critiques of uh, maybe that blend into real life. But so I can see where he might have had a little bit of fun doing this, but it is not <laughs> fun to watch.
0: No, I know. And there's gotta be, I'm sure towards the I don't know how many episodes there are eight, ten, whatever. But I'm sure towards like the ninth, tenth episode, something happens, and he's like, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, he's not that bad. But yeah, for to go week to week and have to try and like be like, okay, he'll change, and he just doesn't change. It's, it's just really hard to watch.
1: Yeah, he gets worse. I can't remember. I mean, wasn't the last one of the last episodes like he got a big shard of glass in his leg? Yeah. And in this episode, he fall. He runs through a a sliding glass door. I mean, he doesn't. Yeah. Get, it's just like. He kicks over scooters over and over again. They just really, this works for neighbors for a two hour movie. I'm sure those characters have a lot of, you know, kind of like toxic traits at times or can be unlikable at times. But the ratio here is just so far off.
0: Well, and I think I'd even watch a show without Seth Rogen if it's just Rose Byrne like getting back into the workforce. I'd be more interested in that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like I like her dynamic with her husband. I like her family. I like that concept behind her like getting back into like a, is she a lawyer or something. I don't really remember, but yep. getting back into like that world after being gone for so long like that's more interesting to me than Seth Rogen's antics. So,
1: what about her getting into the world of um, uh, like an eighties fitness instructor?
0: Oh, I haven't watched that yet. (laughs) Have you watched it?
1: I watched season one. I don't even know if I finished it. It was really good. Um, It's a show called Physical on Mm -hmm. Apple TV as well. Um, And the third season, the third and final season, uh, either just started or is about to start. So that's definitely a show I would recommend from what I've seen way more than this. (laughs) <laughs> um, but it actually started getting really heavy, um, like mm. dealing with political, um, themes and, uh, eating and, uh, eating, eating disorders, disorders and body, yeah. body issues in season one. She was incredible. Um, but it's definitely, I mean, it was a little bit in the same lane as glow as well. The mm-hmm. female, um, wrestling show. And I think that was too fresh in my mind. It just kind of didn't need, um, more, uh, content set in the same period, but uh, yeah, and glow is very good. Yeah, exactly. Too, glow so. is more of an ensemble, so you get to spend time with all sorts sorts of different types of characters. And physical um, took kind of like <laughs> took more of an emotional toll week to week. Okay, well, that's it for Platonic. I'm glad that we can put a a (laughs) nail in the coffin of that show. Haven't heard any talk of (laughs) additional seasons. Yeah, One thing I might read is like uh, the final episode recap or something.
0: Right, like how it finished. Yeah, Yeah, I'd be interested in that. I don't want want to
1: experience it, it, but I do want to know (laughs) artistically if like what their intent was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me know. (laughs) <laughs> okay
1: you mentioned you've been watching something new what is it
0: oh gosh now i forgot the name no it's uh, <laughs> it's uh it's a show about collectibles on that babies no 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 oh. it's um it's um, i think it's called like the collectibles or something and it's like the biggest collector in the world and he has like all these like crazy high-end clientele king of collectibles i started watching that today <laughs> In, I like w- stuff it's like a, that. It's, really it's a doc series. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about this guy who's, uh, his name's Ken Golden and they run like this collectible company. They've been doing it for like decades and it's just like pretty wild. Like they'll fly across the country to look at like a baseball card. It's just, you know.
1: In there, it's, it's like a microcosm of like the, the finance industry or the housing mm-hmm. industry. Like you get all these really, but they're much more interesting, quirky uh, bubbles. that. Beanie Baby bubble which there's been two movie a doc <laughs> in a movie know. that recently came out about and um comic books like trading mm-hmm. cards during the pandemic were we're having a big resurgence. What's the what's like the time period this is covering?
0: Um so it's it's now. It's current. But oh, the collectibles you mean? Yeah. Yeah, so they did have some like Beanie Babies. They have like Babe Ruth baseballs. It's kind of they were doing a Jackie Robinson collectibles show. Um, They're selling like Lionel Messi jersey. Like they're kind of just all over the place, but it's crazy. I just like to see how much everything's worth. So it's cool to me to see like the bid go for so much. And they're like, oh, the last like 30 minutes is when everything hits. And then you like watch the bid change. And it's just kind of interesting. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to keep up with it, but I did just start it. And I just, it's kind of interesting. They had like Drake on because Drake's into collectibles apparently. And like Peyton Manning and like, it's just, I don't know, just kind of funny. So it has different. like a
1: little bit of a antique roadshow, yeah, which I really like. Stars liked. <laughs> type. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Component to it. Um, exactly. I mean, I don't know whether this is a boy-girl common stereotype or not. I mean, I was super into just like the act of collecting stuff growing mm-hmm. up. Even mm-hmm. some of it, I thought it had value. Our neighbor next door um, was oh, yeah. a huge comic Beanie book. Babies. To, yeah, well, he, Beanie Babies kind of overtook like his original business of sporting cards and and comic books, mm-hmm. but he would go to the conventions, and so I had access to, <laughs> um, like all the the stuff that he had in storage in between conventions, and so that was part of it. But with Magic the Gathering, like Dragon Dice, mm-hmm. I almost enjoyed the act of cataloging and organizing more than some of the Playing stuff that was it? like games. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like magic, especially just like assembling and creating, like the the decks of cards uh, as much as playing them, and um, yeah, there's something. I mean, did you what What were the things you collected? Um,
0: I don't think I really collected anything.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm basing my <laughs> whole point. gender yeah. <laughs> theory on us too growing up. But yeah, I didn't. I, I just with
0: dolls, <laughs> and then they're done. I throw them away. I didn't really yeah. collect anything at all. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I mean, on the flip side, I had uh, every He-Man figurine, oh, yeah. which would have been really—I mean, well, I shouldn't say really—would have been moderately valuable um, in good condition. But I had no them. sort of like <laughs> preciousness about those. Yeah, I mm-hmm. was—I wasn't collecting those. I was just—I was just enjoying them. Well, you played with um, them and
0: then you bagged them and put them in a suitcase with what you thought were well, the cost of each one was. I,
1: exactly. So that might have kicked in at some point, but it was way too late for them to
0: Be <laughs> actually value. have collectible value. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's. I mean, I don't know. That that definitely sounds fascinating. I thought you were describing it like the toys that made us, but this is a totally no. separate thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. One last little bit of nostalgia. I did finish the Gladiator show.
0: What gladiator show? <laughs>
1: There's a show on Netflix called Muscles and Mayhem.
0: Oh, 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 oh. You finished whole show? The unauthorized
1: gladiator story. Yeah, five episodes, which apparently it was the second series about American gladiators to come out. <laughs> there was one on ESPN um, uh. that came out like a three-part series before this, which maybe that's the more critical look at it. This was the more like stylized look and like, I mean, they definitely went into some of the the negative, the downsides of the gladiator lifestyle <laughs> and the treatment of the gladiators by the the network and the production company and and um, had all these firsthand interviews with the gladiators. Like the 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 character Nitro comes out oh, looking yeah. really kind of like a thoughtful dude um, from all of his interviews. So it. It didn't need to be five parts. It wasn't five hours. I don't know if it was like three and a half hours in, in five parts. But um, I definitely got some solid, you know, nostalgic um, satisfaction from that. Uh, because we watched that show quite a bit growing up, right?
0: Yeah, we did. Yeah. It was, it was fun, super entertaining.
1: Um, yeah. And it's it was one of those kind of like improbable out of nowhere stories like barely got off the ground in its first season they're just trying to build all these crazy games and <laughs> and film a pilot and the pilot is terrible and everyone's getting hurt and slammed on concrete and it's just oh like my gosh it's a miracle that it got off the ground and then it's a miracle that it became like an international global phenomenon i mean just mm-hmm. like just one of those lightning in a bottle type unpredictable and then they brought it back, things.
0: right? Didn't they bring it back like a couple years ago?
1: Um, They probably did. And then they, you know, American Ninja Warrior mm-hmm. is very similar. And at the time, there wasn't really like action or there were game shows, but there weren't action oriented like reality TV right. shows. There wasn't MTV's The Challenge or Survivor or any of that. Mm-hmm. It was very novel. Um, But... But yeah, um, the gladiator, per- and it was also—I mean—the closest thing to compare it to was almost wrestling, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, from the gladiator perspective, you know, they were performers and and personalities. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. So you're gonna watch mm-hmm. season two if they have. One.
1: I, I well, frankly, I want to watch the other doc to compare the <laughs> the tones once I started reading about it, but. I've got uh I've got telemarketers to keep up with which is an incredible mm. docu series. Oh, okay. Yeah, highly recommend that. Um still on the table for a future episode of new release potentially. Um but yeah, we might as well get into our future presentation here. Ashley, you want to set it up and then I'll play the trailer. Sure. Uh
0: let's see. A couple families travel to this remote location to compete or not compete to get awards for like a junior stargazer slash like space cadet convention, um, super small scale. And then something crazy happens during their convention.
1: Yep. Do you want to say the name?
0: Sure. Uh, Asteroid (laughs) City. (laughs) This
1: is the new Wes Anderson movie that came out in theaters in June. um, But now we're timing this episode release with its um, availability on Hulu so you can watch Asteroid City on Hulu as of August 11th, I believe.
0: I think I feel more at home outside the Earth's atmosphere. Oh, wow. Me too. They're strange, aren't they? They're children. Compared to normal people. Yes, that's correct. It's true. Mm -hmm. Freight train, freight train
1: Going so fast Freight train, freight train Going so fast The train with a list of the cast.
0: I don't (laughs) want to see it.
1: Did I say yes? You didn't say anything. Uh, I meant yes. My my, my mouth didn't speak. Okay, actually... Like the cast. (laughs) Yeah, the cast is insane. We could just name the names, but you've you've seen them by now. Um, (laughs) Do you want to talk about your history or relationship with Wes Anderson or start with the movie? Oh.
0: Mm, I think history first
1: yeah okay so that'll help uh, orient like how excited were you going into this movie and how much you know do you love Wes Anderson movies what's your What's your background there
0: Um, I was super excited to watch this movie so I've seen not all of them because he has so many but I've definitely seen a handful so like Rushmore, Bottle Rocket The Royal Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic Moonrise Kingdom, Grand Bud- Budapest Hotel um, Why
1: don't you say what you haven't seen?
0: <laughs> well, I was just well because I haven't seen Fantastic Mr. Fox okay. or uh, you hate cartoons. French, I don't really love them. They're okay. <laughs> or French Dispatch, I never saw that one. Uh,
1: I love dogs. That's the other. Yeah, I didn't see that either. <laughs> okay, well, there's a theme. I mean, um, yeah, you well, you've seen the vast majority, then, mm-hmm. and aside from one live action movie french dispatch is the most recent one before this
0: yeah
1: um okay so you were when did you s- start becoming aware of his movies and was it kind of like a style and a you know type of filmmaking you hadn't seen before
0: yeah aesthetically it's fucking awesome they're always really cool and unique and the stories are so different um i really loved Dar- darjeeling limited and i saw i didn't see rushmore until way later mm-hmm. um but that's like one of my favorite ones of his. So uh, uh,
1: okay, well, we're gonna get to which Wes Anderson movie we are, but you bet we better not have the same one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Was it Rushmore? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh,
1: well I, Jamie has this theory, friend of the podcast, that um, with the director, like uh, she uses Edgar Wright as an example, that often your first experience with the director is um, hard to. Hard to overcome or not overcome, like hard it's it's gonna be one of your most memorable and, and favorite films ultimately. Um, but Darjeeling is the first one you saw and that just kind of opens you up to the world of the rest of his movies.
0: Yeah, I think it was either darjeeling Yeah, I think I saw Darjeeling before Life of Product. So
1: not Bombs.
0: No, I saw that one later too.
1: Yeah, that was probably my first just because I'm a little bit older than you. And when I was getting into movies, that might have been the one that was like the most popular that had um, the most popular, most recent one when I was kind of seeking out different types of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that was my entry point. But then, yeah, then I went forward from there. And then it was later that I went back to his first two, which are Bottle Rocket and Rushmore.
0: Oh, yeah. And Bottle Rocket's great so yeah and it's always just so different and that you it's one of those movies where you watch like an art like it's very artsy perspective like you never really know you kind of want to rewatch them because there's always things you miss like his attention detail is crazy so um yeah know. and Synchro. it's
1: one one thing i'm curious about is the trajectory that he's on with with his filmmaking style by nature of you know time and resources and and whatnot uh, Bottle Rocket and Rushmore have a lot of his signature, um, a lot of his signature style from like a storytelling perspective and from a, mm-hmm. a dialogue perspective. Uh, deadpan, sarcastic acting performances, <laughs> um, check. But the further you get in, for the most part, it's like uh, a straight um, uh, trajectory upward of how Wes Andersony. The, the visuals are <laughs> how meticulous how like um symmetrically framed how mm-hmm. um colorful and um mannered everything is this movie um that we just that that we're talking about asteroid city is built on a set intentionally so it even like um allows him to lean into that a little bit more perhaps but do you uh, Prefer, like, is there any? I think that's where he, people start to critique him if he's like becoming a, a parody of himself or something. Do you have mm-hmm. any sort of feeling of like he's going too far leaning into his Wes Anderson ness no. or okay, cool, you can't get enough?
0: <laughs> yeah, not at all. I was like, I, did, I did, the more the better, really.
1: <laughs> yeah, um,
0: because I feel like it's he's still it's still like uniquely him, um, even when he goes so extreme to. Like the color schemes, like the way he does things, it's just like that's Wes Anderson from the first like two minutes of, or the first minute you know you started watching the movie. So
1: I know More I better. feel, I feel like hypocritical because he's not. He uh, normally my instincts would be I want to see the most pure kind of like vision of a filmmaker like David Lynch being the most David Lynch he can be. But then again, like if Eraserhead or Endland Empire is the most David Lynch, maybe there's actually a sweet spot that's closer mm. to Blue Velvet or Mahalan Drive, where um, the, the story is a little bit more uh, linear and the visuals are a little bit more um, accessible. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think. Maybe, maybe I'm not a hypocrite. Maybe that's where I'm at with with Wes Anderson as well. Like, um, it can take me out of it at times a little bit with how I mean. This movie uses like three or four different framing devices on mm-hmm. top of the fact that like what we're seeing is the events that inspired the play that they're putting on and other aspects of it.
0: Yeah, and I would have been, I mean, I would have been happy with just the play part not being there and just having like Asteroid City being like where it's at and where like all the characters are developed and that's it. Cuz Asteroid City was so cool.
1: Yeah, so it cu- it cuts back and forth from like a black and white um theater company set to Asteroid City which is bright and vibrant and um beautiful like um southwestern um Colors, turquoises, oranges, uh, desert, and and uh, pastels, basically. <laughs> so this contrast is helpful, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it also there's so many title cards and so many cuts back and forth. There's all these little um, intentional moments that that make it feel like a story, or mm-hmm. make it feel like an intentionally manufactured, um, um, edited. Story that you kind of um, you don't get swept away in it as much as you might otherwise.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I like the idea of being lost in a world. Like I liked Moonrise Kingdom because it's very just like this is where it takes place is what's happening. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, Astrid City overall, I did enjoy the movie, but I don't need. I don't think I need to watch it again.
1: Yeah. Okay. So now we're getting somewhere. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think moonrise and grand budapest were incredible i didn't i don't have the same oversaturation or overexposure or or like disconnect between the it's a consistent world that you spend the whole time in Mm -hmm. and you get swept up in it and you aren't like taken back and forth so i do feel like with prince dispatch because it was an anthology series um so you have three different stories obviously that's going to be and they all get to kind of um uh, have a slightly different like visual tone and and things like that. It's really fun and experimental for him, but um of course you have to adjust to three different stories. In yeah. this case, yeah, this is like one of I mean it's it's kind of reductive to frame it this way, but I feel like a lot of people are just going to compare it to other Wes Anderson movies and I've heard very mixed opinions. There's something really strange going on if you google This movie where it has like a million one-star reviews that drag it down to like a 2.0 out of five. I don't know whether that was like bots or something, but anecdotally in real life, I've heard mixed reactions to this, Mm -hmm. and that's consistent with my reaction. The things that I always love, regardless of how stylized the movie is, are the writing uh, in the 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 interactions between characters the performance the deadpan performance that he gets out of characters Sh- <laughs> schwartzman um you know all the way back <laughs> at rushmore to now as an adult um paired with scarlett johansson in this movie mm-hmm. and tom hanks being introduced to the fold oh, i love tom hanks um edward norton it. and um, adrian brody and all these characters are always incredible um so i could just watch like any 90 second um mm-hmm. segment of the characters talking and think it's some of the most well-written well you know suited to my sense of humor um storytelling that you can possibly get so it's yeah. i'm nitpicking to say it's it's one of my least favorites but it's just kind of like the visuals aren't doing as much to accentuate the other things i always love um about his 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 screenplays he doesn't always write them himself and he collaborates a lot with the other um performers um but he did co-write this one and so that's that's on point but was there anything in particular that held you back from from liking it more
0: i like i said before i think it was just taking me out of asteroid city and into the and in, into like the, the theater i didn't yeah. really care for the theater part very much um because when you go to Astro City, it's just, like, it's so beautiful, and it's so just different. And I love, like, Maya Hawk is in it, and, like, she's trying to teach the the school kids or whatever, or the kids on, like, the Stargazer convention trip. And they sing that song, and, like, there's just some really cool characters that I'd like to spend more time with that you don't get to. So,
1: yeah, and one thing that's maybe not underrated but when you are trying to sell a movie like this and you list off all the the <laughs> A-list A-list stars like that we just named, I don't I didn't name any of the kids. Um so but they often are the predominant like um a protagonist of his the movies. daughters
0: are so good
1: yeah the little witch daughters
0: yeah we're trying, like, they're <laughs> so great yeah I, so i'd want to spend more time with them instead of going back and forth between the other set so yep. that's my main critique um and yeah it's not i mean i didn't i watched the theaters not saying like oh man that movie was terrible but i was like oh that was good it was a good wes anderson movie but yeah definitely not in the top five for me so
1: yeah, exactly. And I mean, every people keep asking me, you know, if this has happened at least two times now. <laughs> 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 what have you thought of it? If they should watch it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're doing here, I guess. And it's like a no brainer answer. I mean, if you already like Wes Anderson movies, watch it. You're yeah. Gonna like it. If this for some reason is your first one, um, I probably wouldn't start here. But no. also, I don't <laughs> think it. it might be more impressive. Um just because of how you'd be more surprised by the experience and you wouldn't be comparing it to the other ones, so yeah it wouldn't be a bad place to start either um it's just in the totality of his his uh filmmaking career it doesn't hit all the my favorite notes um Jeff Goldblum is in it as he plays the alien right
0: yeah
1: <laughs> okay. um there, there's, we're not really spoiling much of this movie, even no. if, even if you could, but one of the more um, exciting action scenes of the movie is when <laughs> the alien does arrive and the way that that is um, filmed and, and um, shown is, is kind of, is really impressive. Cause everything's meant to not look realistic, but mm-hmm. at, in that same vein, and it's set in like a retro future 50s environment. So just the fact that like I don't know, it didn't it it, it was silly. It's just hard to describe that it could still be like awe-inspiring mm-hmm. but ridiculous at the same time.
0: And the alien was so cute. Yeah. <laughs> and he appears yeah. twice, so it's cool that he came back.
1: Um, it's kind of um what were the themes and messages of this movie? It's funny if we this came out right before Oppenheimer and this city takes place on (laughs) the edge of a nuclear test facility. And then there's also kind of this component of everyone's knee jerk reaction to, um, extra, is that they're going to pose some kind of threat. But I thought the movie dealt with those kind of politics pretty, pretty well.
0: Yeah, I think so as well. And, I mean, the alien just came and picked up something that I think belonged to him and then left. Yeah, essentially. So like, wasn't really here to bother. But I, I forgot that I forgot about it being on like the test site and they were selling like those plots of land in the desert. I kind of forgot about that whole part.
1: <laughs> yeah, great double feature with <laughs> with <laughs> Oppenheimer. Um, if you want to pair some levity with with a very heavy movie.
0: Yep. <laughs> um
1: yeah, so not to overstate, I mean it doesn't really like then the military shows up and and quarantines people and mm-hmm. it's also worth noting um I kept telling uh, mentioning this to people as as well after I saw it that I was pretty sure this was like a product to some degree of the its pandemic production um mm-hmm. restraints. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, was the case. Wes Anderson has talked about how like the script got changed a little bit to them introducing the quarantine period. Mm. Um, but also just kind of the artifice of the set and stuff. They were able to film this in Spain during um during COVID or during a lot of lockdowns. And, you know, it just it just made sense that they would be on kind of an artificial set because they had to um, not have <laughs> not be mingling with background extras and in in people in the in the world. Mm-hmm. So yeah. definitely making a lot of uh, the constraints of the time and the situation. So if that's if that was part of the reason to make it feel even more like isolated from from normal reality than another movie that's a that's a great excuse
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay
1: um let's pick um you know sometimes we do choose your character and there's just too many to to choose from i was thinking about doing choose your character in the entire history of wes anderson oh my gosh but (laughs) we're gonna choose the movie the wes anderson movie that most captures like however you want to approach it like Um, if this is a BuzzFeed quiz of which Wes Anderson movie are you which one do you think it would select for you or you can just pick your favorite yeah I might just pick my favorite
0: (laughs) I think you'd have to because there'd be such like a wide range of questions in order to get to that point based on something more specific so I won't choose Rushmore because I feel like that's what you're going to pick and I don't want to do the same one although that is one of my favorite ones
1: I'm really surprised Uh, if that is your favorite though
0: i think it's just, i've it's more it, i think you talked on this but talked about this earlier but it relies more heavily obviously on the dialogue than it does anything else like the visuals aren't so crazy and like outlandish um it's just a really interesting story yep um man i think i'd have to go with darjeeling limited
1: okay interesting i know um our friend Oliver um has a lot of affinity for that one. It's kind of a it's a very unique setting, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, why would why would you choose that one then?
0: Well, I also love Adrian Brody, um, yeah. and Owen Wilson. But I think it was the first time I saw Adrian Brody in like a different type of movie. And I was like, oh, I really like this guy, and I don't know. And I like them traveling into a different country that I've never been to or experienced, um, and all the vibrant colors and kind of going on a quest. I always like those kind of movies. So um yeah, and I think that's the one I've probably seen the most out of all of these. And then Rushmore is probably second.
1: <laughs> how how like how many, how often do you rewatch some of his movies?
0: Um, not very. Every couple of years I'll probably watch one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's Randomly, I remember, I don't know which leg of my various cross-country trips this was, but at one point I was staying at your apartment and I watched, like, that was the first time I think I went through and watched all of his movies in a row. Um, So I've done that a couple of times and I revisit them very, like, not very infrequently, but like um, there's been new movies of his coming out so regularly that I'll watch like one of his past ones that I love once a year and one new one <laughs> once a year when it comes out or every other year. So, similar, similar um schedule for me.
0: So, what's your what are you gonna choose? <laughs> I,
1: so, I feel like the most common answers to this are um, Tenenbaum's, yeah, Life Aquatic. Mm-hmm. And that's those are probably the top two. And Rushmore. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, I Rushmore does do all the things that I described. It starts with that incredible kind of like montage of uh, Jason Schwartzman's... What's his name? Max something? Um, oh, I don't remember. In the, in the movie. Max Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it starts with like that montage of all the awards he's won. He basically is he embodies this Wes Anderson trope of the precocious kid who is way too intelligent for um, his own good. He's interested in an older uh, woman, a teacher in this case um, on the other end of the spectrum, we have like Bill Murray's character mm-hmm. It's a um, perfect kind of blend of, of dry wit that is associated with Wes Anderson. So that's a match made in heaven, but uh, I've always liked Schwartzman, but this is just kind of like, this sort of set him on the track of, of what his style of humor would become, whether it was the movie that influenced him or that just brought out his natural gifts. um, So that worked you, so well.
0: Did you watch that detective show he was in? Do you remember that? Katie and I, my friend of the podcast, best friend growing up, used to watch this detective show with him and like, oh, shit. Did you Harriet watch the it? Spy? No, Jason Sportsman. He was like <laughs> in his 20s, maybe. Um, I'll find it. Keep talking. Sorry.
1: No, I, I I had a lot of I saw when I saw I Heart Huckabees, I hadn't seen a ton of different like um, um, artistic movies or indie movies, so I remember having a really strong reaction to him and that. And um, I'm just kind of looking back.
0: Bored to death.
1: Oh, I I did not watch that actually. It was so good. Yeah.
0: Um, and it's Ted Danson, him, Zach Galifianakis, um, and some other people, but it was it was. A comedy, three seasons. Um, but yeah, Katie and I used to watch it all the time. So
1: he anyway. had a fun role in the last season of the second, the season two of Righteous Gemstones as oh, okay. as well. That's a right <laughs> the character, but um, so yeah, for that reason. But also, what I was getting at with the top two movies is that there's a sense. I mean, Tenenbaums bombs is a very close second because mm. of how. Um, dark and emotional that movie is. and um, and deals with some really heavy <laughs> plot lines with with uh, Luke Wilson's character and Gwyneth Paltrow's kind of apathetic character. Um, is
0: she Margot?
1: Yeah, yeah, she's margot yeah. and and Luke Wilson, you know, um attempts suicide in oh, the movie. Right. and there's the Falcon. and <laughs> the music in that movie is is incredible. I think Tenenbaums is kind of the ultimate the peak in my opinion of blending those two things perfect mm-hmm. of marrying the visual style with the writing and the the performances so in some ways i think that's a more accomplished wes anderson movie and a more pure expression but rushmore uh, i kind of root for it and hold it in a different place because it feels a little more indie and it feels a yeah. little you know less um, popular than Rushmore uh, than Tenet bomb. So I think mm-hmm. I'm succumbing to some kind of like wanting to sound like I have a cool pick, but <laughs> I th- I, it's coming from an earnest place as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, great choice. I mean, Rushmore is yeah an incredible movie. So
1: yeah, and Bottle Rocket I've only seen once. I, I I've, uh, I've seen
0: it once as well.
1: People, when I bring up this argument about what I like about Rushmore movie or about <laughs> Wes Anderson movies, they're like, well then. Bottle Rocket should probably be your choice, but I've only seen it once, so I need to revisit that. There's a few things I remember very vividly about that movie, just how surprising some of the like um responses from characters' comebacks like that they have when they're arguing with each other and stuff and like obviously the chemistry between the Wilson brothers is mm-hmm. is great, but it just like what I love in in quirky, um, entertaining dialogue is when they say something that is consistent with the world, but just totally catches you off guard. And like, <laughs> I remember a lot of moments from hmm. from that, but that's that's vague. I need to. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'd have to rewatch it because I get it. Because there was that other wine movie with um, Sideways. Yeah, and I really liked Sideways, but I don't really remember Bottle Rocket.
1: Yeah, I don't really remember. I can't remember how much about wine, Bottle Rocket. Yeah, I can't remember much about Bottle Rocket at all. Is that about wine?
0: I thought it was. (laughs) Maybe it's not.
1: It's about crime.
0: Yeah, the write-up is not. For some reason, I had it in my head. It was about wine. Maybe I haven't seen it then.
1: All right. Well, that could be fun um, to revisit. (laughs) So those are our choices for which Wes Anderson movie we are. Actually, it's a train (laughs) I am a um, snobby, overachieving, pretentious kid. <laughs> um, Now we have to answer, do we want more? And we've had to get creative with this question. How do you think we should frame it, Ashley? I mean, could be simple, but any ideas beyond just more Wes Anderson?
0: Do we want more Wes Anderson that goes back to the original or more of Asteroid City, Wes Anderson?
1: Yeah. What do you think?
0: um more the original i think unless it's like i think the visuals are so incredible but i want to stick to like one setting or like one cast of characters going somewhere together that's fine i just like the character development that he does he's really good at it but when they switch between like a billion different characters i get a little like overwhelmed so a
1: couple of questions should it focus more on so he has these kind of like different periods where he was focusing on adult, you know, somewhat arrested development adults and mm-hmm. Darjeeling and, and, um, um, Rushmore? God, I am just like, <laughs> my brain is so, um, uh, twisted up with the different movies. Life Aquatic, Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. Darjeeling, those are like the adult movies. Um, you know, very immature adults, but nonetheless. Right. And then Moonrise in Budapest, much more about the kind of mm-hmm. um, either young, uh, young kid or teenage experience. And then same. This one, pretty much does both. But uh, should he focus on one or the other? Does he have a preference? If we're just making our dream, you know, pitch dream for him,
0: film. Um, I really like the work he does with kids. Yeah. I think he always makes them hilarious and they just say so such outrageous things, but they're so good at like so deadpan about it. Um it gets me every time. So I would like to see him do a movie kind of like um Moonrise Kingdom, but like more children involved and kids think, on a train. Yeah, kids on a train would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, traveling around the world. It just I think he just has a way with with children and like their dialogue. So I'd like to see that next.
1: I think that's more unusual to be able to or and more challenging to be able to pull that off. So because he has that rare skill set um going all the way back to Rushmore, it it it's um it'd be a good use of his his talents. Um I I think it. you know, as much as I hate to say it, you know, he can work with <laughs> every actor that seemingly that he wants to, but maybe he could narrow down the cast list a little bit. He could narrow down kind of the, the focus of the story to not be multi-generational necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he could really experiment if he wanted to. Like, I think I've mentioned this before, but SNL has done, you know, um, Scream as a Wes Anderson movie or or like (laughs) he could experiment with genre a little bit. And I don't need to see every director make a horror movie or something, but that would also kind of constrain him imposing Um, a lot of the same kind of themes and ideas he likes if he was if he was forced into sort of a a more formulaic genre that could be interesting i i would never if i was like in a position to help finance him Mm -hmm. i wouldn't i wouldn't put those constraints on him i just think personally that would be interesting if he was excited by that um, yeah,
0: I think they should do an asteroid city too, but it should just be Tom Hanks with the three little girls going back to like where he's from.
1: Yeah. Like a road go.
0: trip, And then they get to his house and then, I don't know. I think that'd be cool.
1: That would Simple. be cool. Um, so obviously we want more Wes Anderson movies. He's not like um, Tarantino where he's said, I'm going to retire after my 10th movie. <laughs> um, according to this graphic I have, he has made um, 10 movies, 11 the 11th one being um this one so um i don't see any reason he's still relatively young um he could make <laughs> 10 more mm-hmm. movies at this at this rate and that would be awesome
0: and everyone wants to work with him so yeah there's no shortage yeah. of actors
1: <laughs> yeah i'm sure people will point out like maybe some lack of diversity in his collabor collaborators other mm-hmm. criticisms he gets are kind of um Mining other cultures for, um, uh, like he, he's been fortunate enough to be in a position where he can just kind of be like, Oh, a a man of the world and and live in all these places and have like, Mm -hmm. I think what feels like to him, genuine personal connections with the settings that he has, um, photographed and, and told stories about, but, um, yeah, maybe more collaboration with, um, different types of filmmakers and, and different people um, because he tells a lot of stories about like people of different backgrounds than, than him at, at times, Yeah, um, which is good. I mean, you know, obviously it's, it's a fine line, like um, showcasing these cultures is good, but putting like a Wes Anderson filter on uh, cultures could be something that people criticize.
0: Mm-hmm. All so right. More Wes Anderson. Yep, I'm sure more Wes Anderson. Anytime soon.
1: <laughs> no surprise there. Um, have you ever encountered anyone who's just out on Wes Anderson? I, I know it's it's not that unusual.
0: Um, no, I did hear. I don't remember who told me, but someone hated the French Dispatch. So that's all. I've really, I've heard negatively about him. Well, about what's the so least. weird?
1: Um, last thing I'll say about asteroid is that. There was kind of this narrative before the movie was released that this was his best movie yet. I mean, I guess that's something you want to get out there before a movie gets released because it's good for business. <laughs> yeah. But that kind of gave me a weird set of weird set of expectations. Um and then French Dispatch. Um, I've seen most of these movies in theaters like right after they come out, and it's always an incredible time. And that one. I, I do feel like, for me personally, for all the reasons we talked about, there's been a, li- a slight dip in my like enjoyment level for the last two. Um, but again, that's coming from <laughs> a huge height to you know still um, a great experience. But yeah, I will say I'll be curious what the next one is without you know any kind of like COVID environment. Mm-hmm. Um, he might have been working on something else before. Um, switching gears to this, um, because of production reasons.
0: Yeah. Did you see the, it's like a three minute fake trailer created by AI, but a Wes Anderson style for Star Trek? No. It's amazing. I'll send it to you. It's amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. His style is so, you know, easily parodied that that has just kind of increased his, his kind of, you know, um, I don't know, like, other people trying to turn it into a cliche, but it's totally different when you're actually able to pull it off over the course yeah. of a, a two hour movie. So, and I thought it was real, it.
0: so I was really excited about it. And then Isaac was like, No, just it's just like a joke trailer. And I was like, Uh, because yeah. <laughs> I wanted to see the movie, but whatever.
1: Yeah. yeah I mean, basically, like Wes Anderson's Barbie, um, yeah. not maybe the right filmmaker to get the to hit on the themes that, that Greta Gerwig did. But Mm -hmm. you can obviously see, like, his stylized vision applying to something. Like, if he wanted to do something very commercial, that would be fascinating. Just that Mm -hmm. juxtaposition.
0: Yeah. Mario Brothers.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, anything. Any kind of, I mean, you know, any kind of superhero property or... Double Dragon. ...I.P.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we're <laughs> um, here first. <laughs> all right,
1: yep, we can announce that. Um, what's uh, what's left?
0: So, each week when we watch a movie or a show, we take something from that show or movie and we sell it for meager profit in our new release gift shop. Um, we have a bunch of just stuff in here. Um, so we have a motorcycle with two sidecars. The dog will be driving, and then two sidecars for humans, based off of that show you like what's what, Twisted Metal. Yeah, yep. um, we have Evil Dead Rise. We saw the edible wine glass, and we haven't been sued yet, so that's nice. Um, I'm we trying. have a horror. <laughs> yeah, the horror of Dolores Roach uh, mystery empanadas with a clue inside. Uh, I missed that one, but you know, <laughs> sure they're delicious. Um, so what do we want to sell from this movie?
1: Yeah, we didn't talk a ton about like um his use of miniatures and the way he is able to create like um some of these really interesting sets with um, um kind of old fashioned techniques that a lot of people don't use anymore. Um, So we could miniaturize something cool. Um, We've talked about trains a little bit. Uh, We have the alien that you could like flex in a lot of different positions. (laughs) like a really lanky Gumby style alien. That's Mm. basically what Jeff Goldblum looks like (laughs) in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Hmm. I mean...
1: We could sell a plot of land near a nuclear testing facility. That's what I was
0: thinking. Could we sell land? Sure. (laughs) <laughs> just see what happens
1: well we need to give like some incentive for I mean one it's going to be cheap so you can get a plot of land but can you tell the listeners one anything the, about
0: one of the plots of lands has treasures on it just okay um, kind
1: of like holes has... <laughs> oh, <shot> <laughs> yeah Um with any geographic um, clues as to where this land will be oh you know what we should have sold why don't we show? Sh- why don't we still land on asteroids?
0: Oh yeah, duh. Yeah, easy. <laughs> yeah.
1: When I say should have, I mean we're still.
0: Yeah, we're going. <laughs> in <the> manufacturing <laughs> process. So. Um,
1: yeah, okay. So you can get your own um, plot of land on an asteroid.
0: Perfect. And uh, I mean, if really. you want
1: to build a city and you have the resources, by all means.
0: <laughs> all right. So what are we going to be watching next week?
1: Okay, let me give you some options and okay. see what you think. Um if we were to do res dogs, you'd have to start at the beginning and we could just go back in time, but um that's probably not the most topical way to do that. Um I mentioned telemarketers. Now that I've seen a bit of it, I can highly recommend. Okay. Um that's a little bit of that deflates the gimmick a little bit, but <laughs> at okay. least it's not a waste of your time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
1: Do you care anything about um Star Wars shows on no. Disney Plus. Okay, me neither. So, <laughs> Ahsoka is one of the more anticipated ones in a while, but um, we're not the right people to cover that. Just nope. wanted to mention it. Uh, this movie that is dropping on Hulu. I'm really uh, I've been wanting to rent it for a while, but now um, it's a perfect opportunity to watch it for free if you subscribe to Hulu. Um, a movie called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Have you heard of this? Oh, no, I haven't. I'll play you a very short little clip.
0: Okay. What if y'all do structural damage?
1: Structural damage is kind of the point. This is destruction of federal property. Terrorism. American Empire calls us terrorists, and we're doing
0: something right.
1: If you're seeing this, let those who profit from mass death know their properties will be trashed. Three,
0: two, one. Is this yeah,
1: a documentary? So th- no, it's like an ecoterrorism fictional okay. movie, but th- told in, from what I understand, a very realistic way. Gotcha. So not like a how-to guide, but like uh, it's it says how-to in the title. <laughs> um, so um, kind of like um, showcasing or or um, focusing on what um, there are a lot of activists. This, uh, I, I have no idea. We haven't seen the movie. Like, I don't uh, know if it's controversial for condoning um, mm-hmm. any kind of acts like this, but just a stylized thriller about eco, um, kind of Thanks. like concerns. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. Yeah. I want to give telemarketers a go. So, okay.
1: Um, my third, my last option was going back to 2003, but, um, we can table that.
0: But I, oh, The last one on that list I want to watch again.
1: Yeah. We can come back to that. Um, Okay. So you want to do telemarketers next week? Yeah. Excellent. Um, Right now, I think it's a three-part series and two parts are out. So this Sunday will be part three. Doesn't mean you have to watch all three parts. But by the time we record... um, You'll have seen all three
0: parts. (laughs) You could have finished it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And I might have finished it. Um, Yeah. I'm excited to... I'm actually really excited to hear your response to that. It goes in some... Very surprising directions. Have you ever worked in telemarketing? No. Okay. (laughs) We can (laughs) talk more about that next week. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's get out of here. I'll play the music.
0: If you'd like to subscribe next week to blah, 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 blah. Whatever. (laughs) Oh, why don't you do it?
1: We're, we're still going. You can give a, give the plug.
0: Uh, I've only heard this 177 times. So I like, I don't know. Let's if you'd see, like how to you subscribe do. to our uh, podcast, you can check out Spotify or Apple or any streaming platform um, and enjoy listening to talking to us. You speed. didn't say
1: how to search for it?
0: Oh, on new release. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Very Drew? good.
1: Very smooth. Um. Yep. Thanks, everyone.
0: Now you're going to say that's a wrap. You have to do my oh. part. <laughs> I was also gonna say you should listen to Coconut Records. I don't know if you ever listened to them. But that's Jason Schwartzman's band from back in the day. I remember
1: that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Is he like making fun of stuff? of um what's his face? Um, John Mayer, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Thanks.
0: <laughs> Bye.